This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thank you, Herschel Walker. You did not prevail, but I thought you did a great job. You were an excellent candidate. Yes, the fake news, rhinos, swamp creatures, they all seemed aligned against you. You deserved a lot more credit. You were good. I was watching. And they were so bad on the other side. And who could prevail when the fake news is aligned? I mean, this is disinformation. They ran a disinformation campaign against Herschel Walker. Warnock, who was first elected in 2021, is now facing his second runoff in just two years. The Democrats have already secured a majority in the Senate. Why does a 51st seat matter here? Oh, this is a Georgia seat. It matters to Georgia. Tonight, the former football star is facing a new accusation of physical abuse. Cheryl Parsa, who says she had a five-year relationship with Walker, tells NBC's Vaughn Hilliard Walker tried to punch her. He had his hand on my throat and my chest. And then he leaned back to throw a punch. Why are you voting for Raphael Warnock? I'd say it's because he's just a catalyst for change in all the areas that I'm really passionate about, like the women's right to choose. Why are you voting for Raphael Warnock? Yet another woman has come forward with allegations. Give me a break. This is disinformation. And that lady who came forward the day before the election, how can that be substantiated or debunked in a day? Did it matter? Throw anything and everything at your opponent. This was disinformation. And you know what? Raphael Warnock, you were so lucky because they protected you. Because unlike most of the women identified uh, as accusers of Herschel Walker, I don't think we had anything like this. Your ex-wife, nice lady it looks like, uh, and sounds like, by the way, on body cam telling the cops that you ran over her foot. A horrible situation in your driveway, and she's alleging that, well, you tried to harm her. Poor lady, here she is, crying her eyes out, begging the cops to help her. And he just starts backing the car up. And he wasn't going fast. Like, I'm not, I'm not bleeding, but I just can't believe he would run me over. Did, did you see her during the campaign? Mm -hmm. uh, that was a Republican smear effort if you ever talked about her. She's a real person. That's real footage. That's not some Dateline extravaganza. That's police body cam footage. And more on court records in a moment. You see what they did, right? Very, very specific there. Look at how they treated Herschel. And look at the lack of specificity and how they bent over backwards to... Uh, we'll take a look. He says the woman who 
brought the allegations as not to be identified for privacy concerns and that they have corroborated the details with a close friend. Last week, a second woman, her face and name withheld. NBC News is not revealing the woman's identity nor the documents at her request for privacy. The woman, who asked not to be identified for privacy reasons, provided a receipt she says is from the clinic. The woman, who has requested anonymity, citing privacy concerns, provided the Daily Beast with a receipt from the abortion clinic. The woman who remains anonymous, citing privacy concerns. At her request, we agreed not to use her name, calling her Jane Doe instead. But she says she now wants to show her face. Really, am I hallucinating or something, Spicoli? What's going on there? These people, they won't actually really put themselves on the line. And this woman exists, the wife of Raphael Warnock. There she is. But don't talk to her. And don't talk about it. And certainly don't talk about the court documents that describe Raphael Warnock as a deadbeat dad. Oh, yeah, he doesn't have time or money for his kids. Since the time of the entry of the final judgment and decree, Warnock has not exercised the parenting time skills schedule that was signed and executed at the time of the divorce. It's from February of this year, everybody. Warnock was awarded two weekdays per week, which he can no longer fulfill as he is not in the city of Atlanta most weekdays. And yes, the money. Warnock has failed and refused to reimburse his wife for childcare, ex-wife, childcare costs that has had incurred during Warnock's time, often leaving his ex-wife without adequate coverage. But no, what if they did talk about that adequately, sufficiently? You'd be surprised. People in the conservative media even ignored this. I think it would have been a closer race. I think Herschel Walker might have been able to pull this thing out. Hmm? Hey, turnout, by the way, was uh, exceptional. Uh, very, very large. Uh, 1.9 million voted early. 1.4 million voted on Election Day. Hey, remember how they told us how racist and discriminatory that election law in Georgia was? Seems like it worked pretty well. Remember how they characterized it? Let me be crystal clear and unequivocal. Uh, this legislation is unacceptable. Uh, it is a step backwards. Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things, voter suppression and election subversion. It is a redux of Jim Crow uh, in a suit and tie. This is an existential threat, right? This is a, an attack on our elections infrastructure. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's oh, no. sick. Wow, huh? Can I see the turnout again, please? Uh, looked like they had no problem whatsoever. What really happened there? That was so orchestrated, the outrage. Did Democrats finally look at the fine print and figure out a way they can take advantage of the situation? Remember, they moved the all-star game from Atlanta. Major League Baseball, they were so upset with that Georgia voting law, they moved it to Denver. That was, somebody ought to write a book about that phony baloney move. Again, Record turnout. And how about that Joe Biden? What did he say? It's sick. It's sick. Hmm. Was he lying to us or did somebody convince him of that? And then he told us that whatever it is, it's not right. And it totally goes against what he told us on Inauguration Day. Before God and all of you, I give you my word. I will always level with you. Wow, that's quite a big promise before God and all of you. Joe, you, 
you're in trouble. You're going to have a lot of explaining to do the way I read things. All right, back to Herschel. Paid an enormous personal price. He didn't have to do this. You know what happened with his son, Christian. Uh, Christian came out and said all kinds of nasty things about his dad. Uh, why does this happen? I guess it can happen in any family. I do know this. Christian Walker there was very much on his father's side early in the campaign, introduced his dad, hugged him, kissed him. That was that was really nice. And I actually, when I found out that that was a husband and son team, because I knew of Christian way before I knew he was Herschel's son, I don't know, really sad. Uh, but Herschel, they don't want to hear from him especially on issues like this. What we need to do is let's go in our neighborhood and let's become fathers of those fatherless child. Meaning let's try to direct them in the right way. What about teaching our black men that if you lay down with a woman and you make a baby, it that, is that, your responsibility that, to stay there to make sure that that, that child is raised. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Give them good values that you have. Mm -hmm. That you say, you know what? And I said this to someone. I said, if you have a child with a woman, and even if you have to leave that woman, even if you have to leave that woman, you don't leave the child. Right, right. You let that child know. You try to work it out. You're going to be respectful to her. If you're going to be respectful to other things, you show that to your child. How dare Herschel talk like that? How dare he? He has all those kids. I don't think it was really quite 100% proven what his situation is. I don't know if it really matters, but how dare he talk like that? He can't, right? Herschel can't talk like that. Well, neither can Barack Obama, by the way. Remember when Barack Obama would kind of tepidly test the waters about that issue? I mean, look at him, total family man, right? Right? Right. Um, and they hit him hard when he started talking about absentee black fathers. You can't talk about that. It's not cool makes some people uncomfortable. I think it threatens certain power bases, perhaps. But the problem is getting worse, and the consequences are unthinkable. They should be unthinkable. Where were we in the 1960s? Take a look at this number. 25% of black children were born into single-parent households. 1960. Where are we today? Check this out. 64% of black children are born into single-parent households. It doesn't have to be like this. Something's been happening over the past 50 years that has brought this on. And the results are so tragic and so sad and everywhere. It's too bad Barack Obama decided to not even try anymore. Just have a good time, travel the world and make lots and lots of money and fly those jets. Oh, boy, they do love those private jets. And he's got the money. Oh, boy, this silly documentary he made like... I don't know what. He got like $70 million from Netflix to do some silly puppet show. Literally, this and a puppet show. And ride the wave of the Black Lives Matter. He already had it. He, he was already set. But Black Lives Matter has made him into a, an emperor. An emperor, really. And there's something that's happening in society that's crazy. I don't think it's ever happened before. Riots are considered good. They are considered good by academia, by the media, by authorities. Wasn't always this way. Let's go back through history, not too distant history. The riots in 1967, race riots across the country. Here's the thing about those. The underlying issues, you could talk about that. You could debate it. But everybody understood that the riots were bad. 
Even the left understood that. The right, of course, that law enforcement was a force for good in America. Also in 1992, much more recently, the Rodney King riots, remember? Uh, these rioters were not hailed as heroes. They weren't. This is a horrible, horrible thing. But then, well, got a little bit gr more gray, I think, in 2014. Ferguson, Missouri, uh, this is when they started portraying the cops as perhaps part of the problem. And now, well, we are full on in crazy land where everything is backwards. The rioters are peaceful protesters. And the media have been fueling this effort to cancel everything that was normal. This is a reckoning in America on the question of race. This idea that we're living in this racial reckoning where everyone's talking about race, everyone's talking about kind of opportunity. Now we're in a moment, John, where people are taking to the streets in a moment of racial reckoning. As you know and our viewers know, We've been living through a racial reckoning this summer. America right now is in the middle of a racial reckoning. And this year has uh, never been more important for truth, transparency and reliable information. Wow, Wolf, how woke and sophisticated and fascinating of you thoughtful, rather wealthy people to talk about the reckoning and all the stuff that happened 400 years ago. Meanwhile, children are getting shot and killed. And overwhelmingly, they are children of color. And nobody gives a damn. And the moment somebody talks about it, they hit them so hard, they, they don't bring it up again. One case that really, really gets to me, Devell Gardner Jr., the cutest kid. He was one back in the summer of 2020 at a picnic, at a family picnic. He was sitting in a stroller and gangbangers came by. They had some dispute about something. This kid gets shot. He dies. And one thing about this, the... The coffin, you see that? Coco Melon. Obviously, he was a fan of Coco Melon. My, my kids love Coco Melon. And also, look at this. This is a very haunting number. Number. Daryl Gardner. One was Daryl. Do you see that? One? When do you, you see, you know, John Doe, 27, 34. You don't see one. But let's not go there, really, as a society. We have other things to talk about, right? COVID, Kim Kardashian. Harry and Meghan, legalizing weed, uh, drag races, uh, gender, all that stuff, right? That'll fill a lot of segments on cable TV. That'll even get some congressmen on television. But this figure, 64% of children in the black community being born into single-parent households. Hey, you can do very well in a single-parent household. But it's a disadvantage. And it's happening more in the black community than any other community, and nobody cares. And Herschel Walker tried to do something about it, and I hope he doesn't give up. Let's not give up. I'll be right back. Did you see this? On Capitol Hill earlier this week, they gave out congressional gold medals to the Capitol Police and the Metropolitan Police Department gold medals for their services on January 6th. Am I hallucinating or something? I'm sorry, but that was a massive security failure. It's the craziest thing we ever saw. And they're handing out gold medals. They shot an unarmed woman that day, and they're handing out gold medals. Quick review, okay? Remember the little cop aggressively waving people? Yeah, right, step up, right, right this way. Come, the Capitol's this way. Or those cops just standing by watching everybody come in. 
Now, what was that all about? Maybe they had orders, but I tell you what, gold medals are not in order. And how about the three officers who just walked off their post, it seems, moments before Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed? Why did they do that? Where were they going? Why? They weren't being harmed. Everything was loud, but it was under control. And then watch what happens. And then Ashley Babbitt gets shot and killed. And I guess he gets a, he gets a congressional gold medal as well. Um, uh, Officer uh, Lieutenant Byrd, who fired that shot. This is crazy stuff. Chuck Schumer, of course, one of the biggest hypocrites in the history of this country, said this. On that terrible day in January, you stared directly into the heart of darkness. And though outnumbered, you held the line, the line of democracy. You bravely held it, and democracy endured. Uh, they did not hold the line. That's one of the big problems here. And why wasn't there sufficient security? And why did you people on that January 6th committee not answer that fundamental question? By the way, listen to all the security that this guy gets. To my personal detail, Mike, Kevin, Joe, Dewan, and Chris, as well as Antonio, Larry, Sifonia, Christian, Brian, Darren, Kat, Fernando, Richardson, and Alex, thank you. Thank you what you do every day to keep me, my family, and my staff safe. Wow. You hear that security detail he has? We counted 15 guys, 15 people. Uh, there's Mike, Kevin, Joe, Dewan, Chris, Antonio, Larry, Savonia, Christian, Brian, Darren, Cat, Fernando, Richardson, and Alex. That's why they want these jobs, by the way. They feel like big shots with all those bodyguards hanging around. If only... Instead of guarding Chuck, and I was sure he was fine, we could have used some of these guys to guard the building itself, right? Because it was incredibly unprotected. Unprotected. And it looked like they were actually using modified bike racks to secure the building. Wow. Hey, something else at this uh, January 6th gold medal award ceremony, the way they talked about the building, the way they talked about the Capitol building and themselves. Now, the Capitol building is nice, okay? But it's just a building. It's a government building. The way they talked about it, well, with these religious imagery, it's kind of creepy in my opinion. Today, under this hallowed Capitol dome. These high ideals were once again on display right here on this sacred ground beneath the dome. And may we always remember the fallen, the martyrs, the martyrs for democracy. Thank you to our heroes for being us with, with us today, and thank all of you for joining us as we canonize these heroes in the pantheon of patriots. Wow. The pantheon, canonize, martyrs. Let's go through some of these terms and what they actually mean. Pantheon. The definition of pantheon is Greek word meaning a temple to all gods. Yikes. Uh, martyr. Uh, well, we kind of know what a martyr is. Uh, a person who has dedicated their lives to the purpose of living a life according to Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what a martyr is. Canonize. Uh, the process by which the books of the Bible were discovered as authoritative and hallowed. Hallowed. What does that mean? Uh, technically, we all kind of know what it means, but what does it mean? Holy, consecrated. Yes. You see what they're doing? They're trying to make what they do on the level of God. 
Democrats think the state is God. It's not, of course, but that's what they're all about, including Joe himself. To drive us from this sacred ground. Tonight, we've gathered in this sacred space. I swore an oath of office to you and to God to faithfully execute the duties of this sacred office. Fortress that are going to hang on the walls of this sacred place, the people's house, forever. Sacred? Really? What does sacred mean, please? What is the definition? What does sacred actually mean? Technically, holy, pertaining to God or to his worship, separated from common secular uses. Yeah, you're a government office holder, Joe, Nancy, the rest, in government offices. There's nothing godlike about you. Get over yourselves. This is dangerous stuff. Again, they're elevating themselves. They're elevating the state to God. We've become a very, a very secular, irreligious uh, society, and they want to fill the vacuum. By the way, what's the hottest thing right now in America, in, in corporate America? DEI. You've heard of this, right? What does it stand for? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. From the military to uh, you know Delta Airlines, everybody's worried about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I want to show you something. Again, the abbreviation is DEI. Now, let's get rid of the periods. And now let's go uh, lowercase, D-E-I. That's a word, by the way, in Latin. And take a look at its definition, please. The Latin word for God. You see what's happening here? This is fascinating. A, a, a friend of mine, Barbara, told me about this, and no one's pointed this out. This is the new God. I think Marx wrote about making the state the God. It's not going to happen, but that's what they're trying to do. And look at how they bow. Look at how they kneel. Are they kneeling before God? No, they're kneeling for, quite frankly, who the hell knows what when it comes to Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. These people, too. <laughs> they even got the cops doing it. And then people all over the place. Why not? Join it, right? Just kneel. Kneel. You know who didn't kneel, though? You know who didn't take a knee? The one they hate the most. Do you remember how, how ugly and mad they got when he had the nerve to hold up a holy Bible in front of a church? Meanwhile, you got Joe Biden talking about how sacred he is in the White House and how sacred the Capitol grounds are. There's something really evil going on. But we know it, we're on to it, and we're not going to let them succeed. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, nobody's saying January 6th was a great day, but uh, Nancy Pelosi said it was the worst thing that happened to America since the Civil War. I don't think so, but that's how the federal government is acting, especially the FBI. 
I mean, they mobilized, it seems like, half the Bureau pursuing people across the country, some of whom did not break anything or hurt anybody. Now, take a look at this. Uh, it's the Twitter page of the FBI. Uh, for most of the past two years, this has been the pinned tweet, all right? Their highest priority on social media. The FBI is still seeking information regarding people who committed violence at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. It seems overboard to me, but I'm just an outside observer. However, it seemed a bit overboard to our next guest. He is an FBI special agent. However, he was suspended. I believe he is protected by whistleblower statutes and status. Steve Friend joins us and he is a whistleblower and he's calling out the FBI. Steve Friend, uh, welcome. And uh, first of all, how are you holding up? I know it's not easy being a whistleblower. No, it hasn't been. It's definitely been an adventure for the last uh, couple of months since this happened. But I've had a really good support network around me with my, my family and, uh, and then retired agents. And I've even gotten to know some of the other agents that are uh, suspended for various whistleblowing uh, measures. And uh, we've sort of fortified a relationship. Well, I've been through uh, one of the letters you put forward, and uh, it's, it's dynamite stuff. Can you take us through it? I mean, the shorthand is they seem to be exaggerating and overdoing it when it comes to investigations regarding January 6th uh, suspects. Can you break it down to us? What are you alleging that the FBI has done wrong? Well, that's certainly what I deduced after having uh, been assigned to some of those cases. I was assigned to work uh, domestic terrorism in October of last year. So January 6th, it happened uh, nine months before. I got brought into uh, the national security side of the house. I uh, had a long background in criminal investigations, had uh, you know arrested over 100 subjects and opened uh, over 200 cases in my career. So I was very familiar with the uh, FBI's processes and rules for, uh, for doing investigations. And when I looked at the January 6th cases, it became very apparent to me that the FBI was operating outside of its normal rules for case management. So essentially, if a case is opened in an office and assigned to a particular agent, that individual has control, full investigative discretion in that case. But when it came to January 6th, those cases were being uh, opened in the field, um, but essentially run out of Washington, D.C. So it was not consistent with our rules. Uh, and, and just, you know, surmising and using some basic critical thinking, it was apparent to me that January 6th had been, you know, open, a separate case for each individual as opposed to one case. Now we created a thousand cases and we spread them to the field to create an impression of, uh, you know, domestic terrorism being a nationwide problem. And OK, and that's very much in line with what the Biden administration wants. They want to heighten the level of uh, domestic terror threat. They want to associate it with Trump to cancel him. Is there anything else uh, driving this, their agenda? Uh, there's certainly a financial incentive. Uh, leadership within the various field offices gets compensated based on meeting certain metrics for opening domestic terrorism cases. So that's a huge driving factor. And also just in general, national security side of the house is very well funded. There's not a lot of oversight over the use of those funds. It's not a secret that if you open a, a righteous counterterrorism investigation, you're going to have a lot of resources at your disposal. All right. I want to show you something. Paul Pelosi, you heard about that story. I was reading the affidavit filed by an FBI agent, and there were two things that struck me, uh, her experience and her area of responsibility. Let's go ahead and put it on the screen, please. And I think this relates to something that you've seen. All right. Uh, since 2019, I think her name is um, Ms. Minor. And uh, Yep, there we go. I am a special agent since 2019. Didn't seem to be very senior for such a um, significant investigation. 
The other aspect is this, uh, where she worked, and I believe it was in domestic, she conducted domestic terror investigations. If we could see that part of the affidavit as well. Uh, somebody with just a few years on the uh, job, and I don't know about how much domestic terror is going on in San Francisco, but what do you make of that? I see there's two possibilities. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with that agent, but just in my experience in the Bureau, if she's inexperienced, she probably has to meet certain, you know, uh, certain, she has to check certain boxes in order to get off of probation. And if you are working in national security, that's really hard to do. You're not going to have a lot of opportunities to draft a formal complaint affidavit or even arrest a subject. So that's a, that's a pitfall that the FBI has to and should address with its new agent recruits. There's just not a lot of experiences that, that they're having that's then having downstream effects. You know, when it comes to something like January 6th, there's people that are in D.C. that you know, have never actually done a you know, full investigation start to finish. All right. Another possibility is that you know, there could be a political um, angle to it where you know, they opened up a uh, counterterrorism case on the individual preemptively, and it could be furthering a narrative that you know, the attacker on Mr. Pelosi was uh, driven by some you know, sort of devotion to Donald Trump or conservatives oh, right right. before the election. So some of the folks are addressing your concerns. I think it seems to me you're getting the bureaucratic runaround at best. Uh, we have something from the Department of Justice, Office of Inspector General. They're going to forward it to this, that, and the other place. Uh, the Office of the Special Counsel says that they're not going to do anything on your allegations, yet they carefully reviewed them. What do you make of the response so far? Well, I think it's just par for the course. I think both of those uh, both, uh, special counsel and the OIG are, are political appointments, uh, and, and they just didn't deem that my complaint was worthy of their time uh, for whatever, you know, where that means, it's it's up to your, your understanding of the situation. Uh, to me, ultimately, what it means is that if there's going to be justice in, uh, in for, for January 6th and for the, you know, the the FBI's role in operating outside its rules and you know potentially violating citizens' rights, it's going to fall to the the House majority in in, in 2023 for some some righteous hearings and, and hold some folks accountable. We'll see how this works out. You could wind up as the FBI director someday if uh, justice prevails. Do me a favor. Can you stay with us? I want to catch you on the other break. A few more questions. Stephen Friend is with us. We'll be right back. Remember when the FBI used a SWAT team to get Roger Stone? <laughs> there was a warrant out for him. They sent a SWAT team. What is up with the FBI and SWAT teams, by the way? They overuse them, as far as I can tell. Look, you need a SWAT team, right? Special weapons, uh, attack team. or What does it actually stand for, Steve Friend? I understand you've got experience with FBI SWAT teams. And uh, are they being overused? And what's your experience with that, please? Certainly, in my opinion, they are with regard to January 6th. I had five years of SWAT experience, special weapons and tactics. I'm hardly a shrinking violet when it comes to using it. It's a fully legitimate tool for law enforcement to, to take down you know, violent criminals or uh, you know, high-risk situations that the regular agent population might not have the training or the equipment to handle. Uh, but it was one of my main objections to handling of January 6th was that we were using SWAT and deploying it to go after subjects who had been in contact with the FBI and had had conversations. Some were actually already represented by attorneys. And yeah. it should be the practice of the FBI as a professional 
law enforcement agency to, to deal with that in less aggressive means. You know, there's nothing stopping us from making a phone call to an individual attorney and asking them to surrender themselves, especially if they had already expressed a willingness to cooperate. Steve, um, we got to go. I know you got a lot of support on Capitol Hill. I'm glad for that. Um, you're not being treated as Alexander Vindman was, who got a book deal, a TV show, uh, another book deal. His wife has a book deal and a TV show. You, on the other hand, I sense that you don't have as many opportunities. Uh, what's that like? And number two, uh, are you still technically in the FBI? How does that work? I'm still technically an employee of the FBI. I am unpaid, um, so uh, they have got me over barrel to some extent. They have to approve if I'm going to seek outside employment. Uh, so it's definitely been a financial hardship. But uh, when I swore an oath to protect the Constitution, you know, didn't say anything about having a comfortable living or a, a pension or job security. So it's a sacrifice that I want to make. And I've uh, got full support from from the home front. Steve, friend, things could change like that. We're please stay in touch, hoping for the very best. And quite frankly, what you did was very gutsy, I think, necessary. And I'm glad you did it. I know it's tough, but to be continued, Steve, friend, FBI agent, and uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless. You bet. Be right back. See these nice people? They just got pulled over by a cop in Tampa, Florida in a golf cart. They were going two miles per hour. Anyway, they didn't have license plates or something like that. The female passenger is a chief of police. Watch what happens. There's a total media freak out. I think she's totally fine. We have the whole thing on body camera. She lost her job because of this, and it's totally unfair. Take a look. Good evening. How you doing? Good. I'm Deputy Chicago Sheriff's Office. Stopped you because you driving tag or uh, unregistered vehicle with no tag on it on the roadway. Yeah, we were we went to the club. It was closed, so we went over and picked up some. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. Oh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, now you say I, I. You look familiar, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do. Okay. So, all right, folks. Well, uh, have a good night. Staying over here in East Lake Woodlands. Yeah, we live we in East Lake Woodlands. Yes. Uh, okay. All right. Well, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> so, I'm Deputy Jacoby. Okay. Same here, my friend. All right. Take so, care of yourself. All right. Sorry take care. To bother you. All right. No worries. No worries. Totally courteous. Uh, very cooperative. Not making any demands. Not ordering anybody. This is fine. This is discretion. This happens. Let's be real here. She got fired, essentially, for this. Suspended, whatever, and uh, she no longer has a job. What happened next? It was nice meeting you. All right. <laughs> oh, all right. If you ever need anything, call me. Okay. Serious. All right. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, you're welcome. So. Thank you for your service. Thank you for yours. Thank you. Right. So, take care. All right. Take care. Thank you. Have a good night, folks. Pull three, get to me. That's it. All right, it's over. Okay. Um, this is innocent. This is harmless. You know what really touched me, actually? The husband. Again, the, the chief, Mary Connor, chief of police, she got fired because of this, because she was using too much, uh, I don't know, her position for a... F but the, the husband, he's proud of his wife. He's proud of his wife. 
only been chief for eight months and recognized by a fellow officer. It's kind of cool. She lost her job for this. Look at what we're putting these cops through, huh? <laughs> they can't, this, <laughs> you can't, I mean, a ticket for a no plate on a golf cart. Listen to what the chief, listen, I'm sorry, this is the mayor. This is the mayor saying the chief is done. But I looked at this particular incident and it wasn't about a, a traffic stop. It wasn't about a golf cart. It was about integrity. Give me a bloody break. So to Chief Mary O'Connor and your husband, I think you guys are great. You handled it as well as it could be handled. Um, I know the media uproar has been intense, but it evaporates and everybody forgets. And who knows? Who knows? Don't rule anything out. You could come back. I'm sorry this happened. And I hope cops still give each other the benefit of the doubt. I'll be right back.